It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. From horoscopes to compatibility breakdowns, astrology is everywhere, but how do you figure out what it all means and how can it help you better understand yourself and the world around you? The answer may be written in the stars. In her book, How to Be an Astrologer, Everything You Need to Interpret Anyone's Birth Chart for a Complete, Accurate, and Revealing Astrological Reading, that's the entire title, <clears throat> today's special guest, astrology expert Constance Stellis, offers relatable advice to anyone interested in learning about astrology, getting to know themselves through the zodiac, and providing accurate readings for others. Constance Stellis is an astrologer of Greek heritage with over 25 years of experience. She primarily practices in New York City and counsels a variety of clients, including business CEOs, artists, and scholars. She's been interviewed by the New York Times, Marie Claire, and Working Women, and appeared on several New York TV morning shows and national radio pro- programs. Um, and we and she's also the astrologer for Huffington Post, a regular trip contributor to Thrive Global. Um, but we're really lucky to have her with us today. So uh, welcome, Constance. Thank you. Thank you very much for that very generous uh, introduction. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you know that you deserve all of it. Um, I know you're very accomplished <laughs> in your field. So, um, so we're talking about astrology, which is your expertise today. What is an astrological chart, and what does it show us? Oh, I, I, I love that question, because every time I do a reading for someone, because everybody has picked up all sorts of pieces of knowledge, I, I like to say exactly what it is. So basically, an astrological chart is a mathematical map of where all the planets were on the day time, place, year that a person was born. So we could do Julius Caesar's chart because we know when he was born. And in fact, we know his chart because there was some record way back when. And we could go into the future and say, oh, what will a child who was born in 2027 on this day, uh, what kind of characteristics will he or she have? So the, the basic statistics, so to speak, are mathematical. And I have this handy computer that can do it in five seconds, but I used to calculate charts by hand, which is not difficult, but it's a little bit uh, cumbersome and would take at least 20 minutes, and I was pretty fast. Now, the ancient astrologers will go outside into the sky, maybe they had a sextant, maybe not, and they say, okay, 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 and they would derive a horoscope or a birth chart from actually seeing the position of the stars, the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, uh, Jupiter, and Saturn in the sky. So that's what it is. What it means is more interpretive because that's based on 4,000 years of tradition, study, and experience. It's really remarkable. Um, and I know yeah. that astrology is gaining a lot of popularity, uh, but it is just, you know, when you think about it, it's really remarkable that it really can pinpoint um, traits and um, experiences of people. Is, the, is a natal chart the same thing as an astrological chart? Yes, it is. The natal chart is the birth chart of a person or an event or a nation. For example, the USA has a birth chart. 
July 4th, 1776, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. There's a little bit of controversy about the time, but anything can have a natal or birth chart. It can be an event. Let's say you have an accident. You can do a chart for that event. Uh, you have to know that it's an event and not a person, but uh, it, it still will give you some information about the energetic component of uh, that event, that birth, that nation. Remarkable, really is. There are 12 houses. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no problem. If you think too much about, well, why should it make sense? uh, The whole thing falls apart. It just happens to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I know that it does because I've had my natal chart done and Mm -hmm. it was incredibly accurate. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So um, there are 12 houses in the chart. What do the houses right. signify? Well, first of all, we, if we can picture together a wheel, it's like a pizza pie, and it's divided into 12 different slices or, or pieces of the pie. And each one of those slices represents a house or an area of uh, human activity or spiritual or mental activity. So if we start with the first house, that basically is your physical self and personality. I, I'm, I'm, there's lots of meanings, but to go through it kind of quickly and clearly, the second house is the money house, uh, getting it, spending it, um, or not having it. The third house governs, and when I say governs, it means that's the territory that that house speaks to, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, extended family, not father, mother, um, local neighborhood, and uh, day-to-day communication. Okay, the fourth house is um, the house of the home. In other words, your personal home. It's also a house that represents uh, where you are at the end of life, and it represents one of the parents. Traditionally, the fourth house was the house of the mother and the 10th house, the house of the father. But things have kind of changed in society. So one parent may not be particularly motherly, uh, uh, but the other is. So there's a little bit of leeway with whether it's mother, father, but it's one of the parents. And it's also your hometown or the place where you were born. The fifth house is um, really the house of, of, of fun and pleasure. Um, not sexual pleasure, that's another department. It's the house of romance, also children. And maybe oddly, it's the house of um, um, games of chance. The lottery is ruled by the fifth house. The stock market in your chart is ruled by the fifth house. And uh, romance, not marriage, is ruled by the fifth house. Sixth house is work, and health and work in terms of labor it may not be the same as your calling or your career but that sixth house also um, covers uh, servants and employees now so we've now gone through the six houses that are below the horizon in the chart in other words they're underneath the ascendant if we go to the seventh house then we start the relationship between a person and society. So the seventh house is partnership. It can be marriage, can be business partnership, and it also describes open enemies. So anybody that you know is gunning for you would be ruled by the seventh house. And these, these titles of what it covers are not necessarily uh, always important in interpreting a chart, but if we do a different kind of chart for a particular question, like if somebody calls me and says, is this guy trustworthy or is he after me? Not romantically, in business. Well, then I would look at the seventh house and what was going on there to give an answer. Then we go to the eighth house, which is <laughs> colloquially called by astrologers sex, death, and taxes. <laughs> But, and, and, that sounds, and that sounds pretty uh, disconjunct, but it is the house of transformation. Sex obviously can be and usually is a transformative experience. 
Death, for sure. And taxes is transforming your money into, we'll hope, the public good via taxes. It also represents a partner's money, business or marriage partner. Then we move to the ninth house, which is the house of um, higher mind, so the superconscious, also um, higher education, and long-distance travel, I mean foreign travel, not local travel. The third house is local travel, and the ninth house is faraway travel. It doesn't have to be out of the country, but it has to be far away. Then we come to the tenth house, which is at the very top of the chart, and that represents one of the parents, traditionally the father, because it was the father that interacted with the outside world. And the 10th house also um, uh, rules your prestige, your reputation, your career vis-a-vis the public. It's the outward house, not the inward house of the fourth. The 11th house, we're almost finished, the 11th house is goals, wishes, and friendship. Goals in the, in, the, in the sense of what, what it is that you're working towards in your life and wishes what you wish for. Um, it also rules adopted children. It's opposite to the fifth house of natural-born children. And, um, for example, for a while, I was doing many charts for, um, for, for couples who wanted to adopt children. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty hair-raising experience because you're there in Russia or Moldova or wherever you are, and, and you get, like, two, two choices, and all you have is a birthday, and you say, you know, you want the kid or you don't. So they'd be on the phone, and we'd be looking at the charts and trying to figure out the, the best uh, match for, for um, uh, these people. And what I looked at before even they began an adoption procedure was it going to be easy or was it going to be extremely difficult? And that would form the basis on, of my advice. You know, for some people, it was a terrible experience. Happily, I have more positive experiences uh, um, with, with adoption than, than negative. And the last um, house is the 12th house, which is called the hidden house or the house of the unconscious. This um, rules... Our, our, our hidden desires. It has a lot to say about past lives and it also um, it rules prisons, hospitals, places of confinement. Um, everybody has a 12th house. Certainly everybody is not passing through prison and well hospitals recently, <laughs> too many people, but um, it, it, it's also the house of retreat. Um, so when there's a heavy emphasis on the 12th house, a person is learning soul lessons this time around and, and may not be so uh, extroverted and, and, and wildly successful in society's terms, but is putting a lot of hard work in the karma department, we could say. So that's oh, it. Well. You see, the whole world, the whole world wow. is there. That's really interesting. I mean, it really covers everything. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And actually, the 12th house is probably where a lot of my listeners um, are right now. Now, are you only in one house? Are you only in one house? No, no, good question. If you look at someone's chart, most frequently, sometimes they're all bunched up in two or three houses. It's impossible for um, all the planets to be in one one house because uh, we have the personal planets, which are based on the day that you're born, but then the faraway planets like um, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto stay in a sign for a very long time. So everyone born in the baby boomer generation has Pluto and Leo. And that that position of Pluto will be in uh, could be anywhere in the chart. So then we also look at the pattern. Is everything all bunched up so that it's a very concentrated life? That certain areas are are emphasized and others don't care. Or it could be a, a what's called a splay chart with many different um, houses involved, and that's a more diffuse or less focused life. So the pattern um, matters. 
Okay, good. In your book, you talk about personal plan- planets. What do what does yes. that indicate? What do personal planets indicate? Well, first of all, what they are, we have the sun and the moon, which technically aren't planets. We call them lights because the, the sun is the sun, the, the, the beginning of it all, and the moon gets light reflected from the sun. So in a chart, the position of the sun, and everybody knows their sun sign. I'm an Aquarius. I'm a Leo. What's your sun sign, Randy? I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. Yes. So you're a Virgo, and I'm a Libra. Um, and um, this kind of defines parameters of a basic um, uh, personality uh, orientation towards the world. The moon in someone's chart defines their personal emotional, let's say, palette, how they react emotionally, also rules the first seven years of life. So after that, we have Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Jupiter and Saturn we'll talk about in a minute. Mercury, Venus, and Mars are called the personal planets because they influence... They're called, wait, David say it and, out. Say that again. They're called the what? Personal. The personal planets. Okay. Thank you. Did you get that? Yes. Um, got it. <laughs> because, <laughs> because they are most involved with day-to-day life and people's person, personal reactions to things. So Mercury, which, by the way, is retrograde this very minute, um, is the planet of our mental communication, of organization, of forms, of filling out forms, of everything that has to do with the mind and organizing it. Venus, goddess of love, is a planet of, yes, romance, also luxury, um, the kind of style that you may enjoy, the colors that you enjoy, how you spend money. Um, and right now Venus is also retrograde, so that's a bit of a bummer. And then lastly, Mars, god of war, how your passion, how your, your um, uh, sexuality, doesn't matter, you know, hetero, homo, whatever. It's just your, your outgoing energy, how that manifests itself. Um, what kind of exercise you need to do, and what kind of basic um, uh, physical strength you have. So those are the three personal planets. The next two, Jupiter and Saturn, I was taught are called transpersonal uh, planets. There's a few other names for them floating on the Internet, but I haven't paid too much attention to that. And Jupiter, or the god Zeus, uh, is the planet of expansion, generosity, philosophical mind, and good luck. It's called a benefic planet. And lastly, Saturn is the planet of um, lessons to be learned, delays in everyday life, and um, consequences to actions uh, throughout life. Now, these planets are the most Important because this is how far the ancients could see. They didn't have telescopes. It wasn't until um, I think it's 1780s that Uranus was discovered. So they could go out in the sky and they could see Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and that was it. Then Uranus was viewed, seen, so that kind of came into being. And then Neptune. And then Pluto. Now, Pluto got demoted to a dwarf planet, but astrologers don't care. It's a planet and quite powerful. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then I want to ask you about, oh, oh, I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to back up because you used the word retrograde. And I know when Mercury is in retrograde, that all communication is messed up. <laughs> people forget. I, I've had people forget to, you know, com- um, that they're on the show. Uh, yeah. Calls get disrupted. Computers are disrupted. So, what exactly is retrograde? Okay. 
Um, it's a very good question because your ruling planet is Mercury, so it's good for you to know everything about this, oh, this uh, okay. <laughs> event. Uh, this event. So, first of all, it happens three times a year, and everybody goes, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God!" It's pesky, but not dangerous. And what it means is not that Mercury in the sky literally turns on his shields and goes backwards, but that the relationship between the Mercury orbit and the Earth's orbit appears to slow, and so it seems to be going backwards. And if you look at a, a, a guide as to where, because there are books published called ephemerises or ephemerides, if you like, uh, that show the position of all of the planets um, day by day. So if you look in this book, you'll see that Mercury is uh, this very day at 13 degrees, uh, 43 minutes of cancer, watery cancer. And tomorrow it will be earlier in cancer. It will be not quite 12 degrees, but it's going backwards in the zodiac. So what does it mean? It means that our mental facilities and our, our, our kind of linear left brain um, organizational power is slowed and isn't quite snappy as it perhaps used to be. So we get this very fuzzy feeling, which we have a lot these days because of all sorts of things going on. And um, it leads to mistakes in communications. I, you know, I mean, an old fashioned Example is you post a letter to Austria and it goes to Australia. I mean, nobody's posting <laughs> letters these days. But, but all of a sudden you get that horrible blue screen on your computer. Or, or um, it's just like the connections electronically and in our own mind uh, are not working so well. So we can't hide away for three weeks, three times a year. But we can uh, kind of take a mental vacation. By that I mean, say, okay, everything's going to be a little bit uh, uh, not linear, not not as as efficient as I would like. But I'll I'll go with the flow and see how it turns out. Because if you end up cursing Mercury, then you spend a lot of time hating the planet. <laughs> it's not useful. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you have to have a sense of humor about it and understand yeah. that, you know, what's going on. Do all planets go into retrograde or just Mercury and all Venus? All, all of them do. All. Okay. And okay. this year we have we have some whoppers because we have Venus retrograde and then in September we'll have Mars retrograde. And it tends to affect us more personally when the personal planets are retrograde. Jupiter is currently retrograde, Saturn is retrograde, and Pluto is retrograde. So uh, adding Mercury and Venus to that, that's a lot of backward motion and not a feeling of forward energy, which Mm. I interpret right now is, I mean, as, as many places are opening up from the pandemic, we still don't feel like this, ah, okay, everything's clocking along. It's it's still very, very uh, push-pull and um, not a feeling of relief. So how long is this going to go on, Constance? Do you know? Please tell us if you do. <laughs> you mean the effects of the pandemic? Well, or, yes, this slowing, this, this um, lack of being able to go forward. Is this, um, mm-hmm. according to astrology, is there a point in which this is going to end? Yes, but not soon. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's going to have different phases and different chapters. And we have a learning curve going on, which is incredibly beneficial. A friend of mine is the, um, um, uh, I don't know what her title is, but she oversees all of the nurses um, in a hospital in the Bronx, and the Bronx uh, here in New York was one of the areas that was extremely hard hit uh, yes. with uh, COVID. And uh, she said that their admissions has have, have now dropped to zip. 
And that's with all the protests that have been going on. So that's very good news. But she made a bigger and better point. She said that we now know how to treat and care for these patients a lot better than we did two months ago. So we can't shake in our boots and say, oh, it's going to come again, which a lot of experts have said. What we can do is take precautions, but also know that the, the, the medical community was hit by this as, as badly as, as regular people. And so a lot of knowledge has been accumulated as to what works best and, and how to face any upsurges or recurrences. But Interesting. Last, last of all, I, I want to say that as upsetting to many people and devastating as the virus was, this is the beginning of a huge societal transformation that doesn't happen quickly. Everything is going to be restructured, and it's not because we're all afraid of getting the cooties and, and having to stay home again. It's because of the economic equity inequities that have been in this country, the social uh, inequities, the, the, the media uh, output and the lack of a concerted effort in, in healthcare. So all of these big fundamentals of society take time to change. So I think that the feeling of relief is going to be in stages and we will be changing how we operate together, how we, how we uh, stick together. Um, you know, New York City is a pretty big place with lots of people. And uh, people are having to do things differently and change is hard. So that's why I think it's going to be phase by phase or chapter by chapter. Yes. My daughter lives in New York City and, you know, she's been working from home. And, yeah, because you can't really ride the subways and, you know, yeah, everything is different. Well, this is interesting. Um, You know, I mean, it's been apparent to me that there's going to be a major shift in some direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that it's happening at our, you know, at our particular time of life that, I mean, I, I guess that in a way it's kind of exciting to be in the middle of the shift to really see it happening, to see the changes. And we can say, when I, we can say to our grandchildren, when I was <laughs> back in 2020, yeah, sure. <laughs> things sure, were like sure, this, sure. and now they're like this. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. You talk about conjunctions in your book as the most yes. powerful aspect in any chart. Um, you say in the conjunction, the energy of the planets involved are blended and act as a single source of power. Right. Um, so can you give us an example of the conjunction um, of sure. planets? Sure. Okay, thanks. So a conjunction, first of all, means that two planets are within 10 degrees of each other. And 10 is a little bit of a generous uh, limit. Uh, So, for example, if – I'm trying to find one here. Okay, I'm looking at a chart for the show today, and uh, Mars is in at 27 degrees – of Pisces and Neptune is located at 20 degrees of Pisces so those two planets are seven degrees apart which is pretty close and uh, we would say in astrology they are conjunct so that means the meaning of Mars and the meaning of Neptune have to be blended so what do we come up with Mars is outward energy passion um, physical activity, and Neptune is the space cadet of the, uh, of the Zodiac because she rules um, higher wisdom, divine love, and also illusion or maybe delusion. So uh, with these two planets together, we've got a lot of wishful thinking going on. Uh, for this time period, and it, this will change. It will because uh, um, Mars will move out of Pisces in about four days. It's always changing. So that's for an event. Let's say. Let me see if I can find a good example. Ah, all right. 
So um, I know someone who has three planets in conjunction. So the first one is Mars at 18 degrees of Cancer. The second one is Uranus at 19 degrees of Cancer. And the third is the Sun at 21 degrees of Cancer. So this is a very tight conjunction of two unruly planets, Mars and Uranus, and the Sun. So personality-wise, this person is very erratic with lots of energy and genius because Uranus rules genius. So all three of these planets work together, sometimes not so harmoniously, but other times in flashes of insight um, and as should be thought of as kind of a, a compound, a compound planet, a compound planet. So does that make it clear? Yes, it does. Nope. You know, and, and so I'm thinking, you know, as you're talking about degrees, so I'm thinking, you know, if I were to, to uh, do a circle and do degrees in that circle or even in a line, um, it would be very small. So are we talking about if, if they were all in a line? Um, and because the degrees, so the degrees aren't really what we're seeing in the sky. Um, uh, the deg- no, the, no, no. The degrees are how they're charted. Is that how it is? Yeah, yeah. It's like coordinates. Uh, you know, you're on the boat, and all of a sudden you have to report your position, and you say, "I'm at uh, 52 degrees uh, longitude uh, north," and okay. like that. Gotcha. What 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 your what I didn't make clear is that each sign has thirty degrees in it. It can't be more than that. Okay. So okay. It's zero to twenty nine degrees fifty nine minutes, and then the uh, the sign goes back to zero, and you move ahead a sign. Um, so the reason it's not linear is because you put in the planets. Um, in the chart, according to the, the the rulership of each one of the houses. Mm, okay, it's getting muddy. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's okay. No, that that explains okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, what are aspect formations? That's another thing that you talk about in your book. There's so many so many right. aspects too <laughs> to astrology. Yeah. There are many. An aspect is a mathematical relationship between uh, two or more planets. So we talked about the conjunction. There's also a sextile, which is planets um, 60 degrees uh, apart. Uh, There's the trine, uh, 120 degrees. Oh, I forgot. Before we get to the trine, we have the square at 90 degrees. Uh, Then the trine. Then the opposition, 180 degrees. And then there are some minor aspects, the quintile, the inconjunct, the semi-square, that may be important, maybe not, you know, depends on, on what, you're, what you're looking for in the chart. Uh, aspect formations, are those patterns? Is that what, what you're asking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just was curious yeah. To, okay. yeah, to know exactly what they are. Okay. Okay, you, you talk about this also. I mean, everything you talk about in your book because your book has everything in it. Everything. It does. Uh, yeah, it really, really, really does. Um, uh, is it ever possible or acceptable to predict death based on an astrological reading? It's possible, but not acceptable. Um, <laughs> not acceptable. Not acceptable because. Um, you might be wrong. And what kind of healer or seer uh, would, would do such a thing to someone? That's called psychic invasion in my book. And also, the person making the inquiry might be not really asking for cosmic reasons, like, I know I'm going to get a lot of money, so when's the old bird going to croak? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really horrible. I mean, it's really hard. So the, I'm sorry the, to laugh, the, but it's just funny no, the way you said it. <laughs> but it's very human and, 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 and um, <laughs> not cool, not cool. So you can see when someone's um, on the downward slope 
And um, this, nobody would predict an, uh, like a, a sudden death for, for uh, a younger person. Um, but you could say, and I have said, there's a bunch of transits, which is how the planets in the sky are moving in relationship to the chart um, that is uh, challenging, we'll put it that way. And every precaution should be taken uh, in terms of accidents, in terms of uh, going here or there, I mean, without making a prediction. Because uh, if you make a prediction of death, you are basically taking over a spirit's job, which is probably the most personal part of our life. I mean, we've got two big events, birth and death. And um, adding any kind of influence uh, about a person's passing is is um, not acceptable. There, there are formulas, and in ancient times, well, let me tell you an interesting example. Um, because everybody's, you know, gets the heebie-jeebies about this question, and a lot of people say, "Oh, don't tell me any bad news." Well, I can understand that because you you go to an astrologer or you read about astrology to find a different perspective, a spiritual perspective, perspective. of, um, yeah, thank you, of um, life in relationship to the earth and the heavens. So here's the story. I find this one really illustrative. There was um, King Henry in the uh, 1500s in France. Um, I may have the date wrong. And it was predicted at his birth, and Nostradamus was in on this prediction also, that he would die in his 40s from a head wound uh, um, while jousting. Okay. He didn't think too much about it. He was a pretty energetic guy. He he roamed around fighting people and whatever, and he was in, involved with the big um, uh, um, championship when he was 40, 41, something like that. And the adversary came towards him with the lance and kaboom. I think it was the neck or the head. It was a bad wound. He was so strong, it took absolutely 10 days for him to pass on. But he did die from a head wound. And nobody was particularly surprised that this prophecy came true. The quality of relationship between earth and heaven at this time was faith-based. So if your number's up, your number's up. That's it. And nobody was going to, you know, go all around the world trying to, quote, unquote, escape their fate. Now, here's the interesting part. Um, A very good astrologer named Liz Green has looked at charts of people that have similar placements and aspects to King Henry. Nobody in the last 30 years has died of a jousting wound to the head. But a couple of these people suffered migraine headaches frequently and also went through deaths of career, um, mostly of career or status or, yes, status in in the society. So what, what happened? Is astrology wrong? No. The belief system of the society changed and that didn't exactly cause the migraine headaches but what was shown in the chart was a tendency for poor circulation in the head um which is basically the 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 beginning of migraines and and um now these people got treatment the people who were depressed because of their their um career failure uh, took care therapeutically, and things turned out differently. So saying to somebody, well, looks like your number's up at this time, is really crude and a misuse of what I call the divine science. Okay, yeah. And, oh, yeah, I mean, also, you have to live your life. You can't, 
you can't live your life counting down to the end. I mean, it's it doesn't work like that. What are you going? You're not going to accomplish anything. Uh, Okay. Um, What are solar and lunar returns, and what do they show us? A solar return is basically your birthday. It means the time that the sun comes back to its position when you were born. So if you're born uh, today, June 23rd, 2020, when the sun comes back to two degrees of watery cancer, that will be known as your birthday. And you can do a chart showing how the planets are moving, which will give you information on what kind of year you will come um, to have what areas of life will be emphasized. The lunar return happens every month because the, the moon cycle is a monthly cycle. And it's not as significant as the solar return, which happens once a year. So every month, the moon comes back to the position where it was located when you were born. And when that happens monthly, you may feel a kind of burst of energy, or kind of new ideas because it's like your own personal new moon. The, new, the moon has very, um, no, has, has, has a rhythm. New moon to full moon, which we are in right now, that period of time is increased energy. Full moon to the dark of the moon is more consolidating energy. And, you know, gardeners, uh, fishermen all use, many use, the rhythm of the moon's phases for um, agriculture and for fishing and, and for all sorts of things. So uh, following your own personal moon um, chart is a good idea. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, then you also talk about... Um, how you know you can compare one chart with another and gain wisdom into the avenues yeah. of connection between two people and the areas in which they will face challenges. So um, mm-hmm. you say this mm-hmm. is called synastry? Is that what it's called? Yep. Synastry, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it can be used for romantic relationships, relationships with parents, children, coworkers, friends, siblings. Yep. Okay. So when we're comparing these charts, um, what are we looking for? I mean, I guess it would depend on what the person asks you, but um, what are we looking for as far as relationships go? Uh, it depends on what relationship you're looking for, but, you know, let's take uh, marriage, a sticky wicket sometimes. Um, the basic uh, premise of, of marriage is uh, a partnership and romance and learning and growing together through time. And uh, one thing we haven't talked about is there are elements, fire, earth, air, and water, for each astrological sign. So very simply, if you're a fire sign, which is outward energy and very enthusiastic and very passionate, and you are married or attracted to a water sign, which is inward maybe more uh, uh, emotional, there is an inherent lack of communication between these two, uh, these two elements. Does that mean you should run for the hills and not marry this person? No, because you have other uh, positions in your chart that may compensate. Or sometimes people get married to a sign, uh, to an element that they have none of in their chart. And that kind of makes the balance. Hmm. So we, 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 compare, we compare a number of positions in a chart to see how this, how this relationship can best work out. And um, with parents and children, uh, it's, it's very important, or teachers and, and children, um, that they teach because you can see how you're going to get your message across. Is this, is this a child that is going to respond well to very strict rules or is this a child that's going to have to kind of drift and find his own way? And So I, I think it's very um, revelatory 
and can be done simply because in the book I show a lot of different um, uh, connections between the two charts that I talk about. But if you remember one simple fact, water, I mean fire, earth, air, or water, and see what the propensity in your chart is compared to someone else's, you know a lot. You know a lot without fooling around with, uh, with degrees and everything else like that. Wow, just basic information. That's good yeah. to know. It's good to know. It helps yeah. you to understand where the conflicts are coming from and help, help you to work through them. Right. Because if right. you know the, the, the meaning of, let's say, Mercury, we talked about Mercury. If one person's Mercury is in Leo and the other person's Mercury is in Virgo, it's not you know, the end of a relationship possibility, but the Leo Mercury is always going to be enthusing and excited about a new possibility and kind of claiming center stage for for, uh, for words and, and whatever. And the Virgo person is saying, yeah, but we got to get to this appointment now, you know, is, is trying to uh, organize and plan. So, so that is a way of um, uh, expressing mental energy that is quite different. And you have to right. kind of work that out. Right, and it doesn't yeah. mean that the other person is wrong for behaving that the way, the way that they are. It's just that that's who they are, and that's what their energy yeah. is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Do you believe exactly. that there's such a thing as soulmates? Absolutely, but okay, it's so, not exactly what people think. <laughs> okay. So what? How do you define it? There's so many different ways that it's been defined. So how do you define yeah. that? Well. First of all, when people say he or she is my soulmate, it means that they feel they have a connection that's larger, deeper, stronger than uh, just, oh, I like you, you like me. So that's a generic soulmate. And somehow it can change or not change. There are two indications uh, um, astrologically uh, about soulmates. One is um, that in truth, the soul, re- the other person represents the other half of a person's soul. Doesn't mean that, uh, like Lord Voldemort, <laughs> you, you, you don't have your soul, but uh, throughout past lives, there's been um, uh, such a coming together that the other person is we'll say a mirror image. This is very rare and usually doesn't work out to be uh, a successful marriage or partnership this lifetime because there's no challenge. The people kind of just groove uh, with what their past memories were and may get bored. So that's an unusual situation. Then there are some connections in uh, two charts that betoken uh, really deep um, past life experiences. And these can be for good or for ill. So when the sun is in the um, moon sign, uh, let's say the sun of the, of the, of the man, I, I mean, I know gender titles are, are getting all confused here, but astrology predates this. So when the sun of a man is in the moon sign of the woman, that is called a sun-moon conjunction, and always means that these people have been related, probably in a marriage, definitely in a family, could be father-daughter, could be mother-daughter, could be all sorts of things in previous lives. And so they've come back, soul-wise, to work out, um, I, I don't wanna say issues, to, to work out their, their energies this time around. Um, and if it's the reverse, moon, sun, then that also has the same, um, the same characteristic. So that, I would say, uh, betokens a soulmate relationship. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's I'm just intrigued. <laughs> I'm so intrigued and, by and this information. Can, and, and it can be, I, I tell you, I wrote an article, I don't want to get political here, but I wrote an article on um, the relationship between Andrew Cuomo and Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty interesting because... Often it is. They've been around the wheel a couple of times together. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I mean, yeah. we we travel with a soul group, don't we, basically? You know, we oh. have people that, you know, we keep playing different roles and coming, coming sure. uh, incarnating. What did you call it? Full group? Soul, soul groups. You know, oh, we soul have group. yeah. soul, mm-hmm. soul groups, yes. That. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good expression. So we sort of travel, you know. And we play different roles, and that's why when we recognize somebody that we've never seen before and we feel like we know them, <laughs> we actually yeah. do. Yes, okay. What is, karmic, yeah, what is karmic astrology? Um, karmic astrology emphasizes uh, more of the past life um, influences between two charts or in your own chart. Uh, rather than uh, what you are learning or what you're here to do this time around. And it can be very useful when people have difficulties that just don't seem to um, respond to, let's say, treatments, especially with addictions. Um, I'm not saying that anybody is fated to keep their addictions, but when addictions are uh, of long-standing from past lives, you kind of have to dig deep to to get the core of the difficulty um, cleansed. And then the person can kind of say, okay, don't need that anymore. But until that point, it's a repetitive cycle. That would be very beneficial to so many of us, you know, because we're all carrying, we're all carrying karmic waste, (laughs) karmic energy, karmic problems. Um, we're all carrying it, you know. But uh, what you want to do, what you want to do with karmic problems, is, um, I guess, the psychology would say own them, and then find ways through alternate healing modalities that you can uh, free yourself from them. Because it's right. no and good to say, oh well, it's just karma, you know. Have another piece of pie. That's, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because um, I'm a narcissistic abuse expert, and I, I deal with people um, that are going through this very, very serious kind of abuse. Uh, and one of the first things that that we work on is recognizing what the source of their problem is. And so when you can see it, then it's a lot easier to work on it. And so that would make sense that when you do the karmic astrology, when you see it, you know what you're working on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are techniques, um, rebirthing, past life regression, that in the hands of a really good experienced professional can can be very liberating and also hypnotherapy hypnotherapy is a really good one um to to kind of speak to the unconscious um mind to shake up patterns yes i agree i've actually had hypnotherapy i believe in it Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. I have one final question, and then you know you can add whatever you want. Um, so we talked about so many different aspects of what you're looking at with people. When you chart someone, are you charting it just one time comprehensively, and then you're going back and analyzing different aspects based on what your client is asking you for, or are you going back in and charting new information? Um, great question. Uh, usually once we meet astrologically, uh, in other words, we have our first session, um, it's more an exploration of, uh, all of the ingredients of the chart. Um, and, um, I, I, I have worked with some people for over 20 years. So, um, when they call, then if there's something new that, really all of a sudden 
kind of hits me, of course I will include it. But mostly we, we know that territory, so we're uh, dealing with what's coming up in the immediate present or the future. For example, lots of people call me about travel charts. Not so much now. <laughs> but, no, but, um, I guess not. You know, uh, flights. Is, is this right. flight safe? Is this uh, so? That's that's one thing. And then then um, other things about medical procedures. Uh, you know, astrology from the time of astrologers were observing. Many were also alchemists, and every physician in the ancient world was familiar with astrology. It would just if, if they didn't know astrology, they were a quack because they they put a lot of emphasis on which cures would be beneficial according to the phase of the moon and which herbs would be beneficial according to the signs that a patient's chart indicated. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and um, I, I find uh, medical astrology really fascinating. And so lots of people, you know, call about you know good days for procedures and and um, is this necessary is this not necessary so because especially now you know healthcare is pretty complicated and yeah so did 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 I answer your question I think I did yes no yes yes yeah. yes 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 you, yes you did okay. um, I just want you know we're running um, so we're coming to the so end but I wanted to I just wanted to uh, say. To my listeners, how incredible um, Constance Sellis's book is, How to Be an Astrologer. It is absolutely beautiful, and it's published by Simon & Schuster, which is extremely unusual to get a contract like that. It's a hardback book with everything, and it's just beautifully done. So, Constance, um, do you have a website, and, um, and where can we get your book? I do. Um, www.constancestellis.com. The book is available on my website. It's also available from Amazon and from Barnes and Noble. Um, and when the bookstores open up, it'll be there. Um, I may be doing a presentation um, at Barnes and Noble. And um, I have one little thing to say. Okay. On the back okay. of the book, it says, "Why go to an astrologer if you can be an astrologer?" <laughs> this is not my this is not my phrase because um i i think it's impar- it's wonderful for people to deepen their knowledge about astrology but if you're thinking about having a major surgical procedure get some expert opinion from an astrologer you can say okay well the book says this uh uh-uh, that's not going to work i mean it's it's um the book is to inform you uh for what you can learn about yourself and other people. And then in concert, in uh, you know, working with an astrologer, you're, you're, you're really in a great position to understand uh, how the whole thing works. Yeah, I, you know, it, and it's the same thing. It's, that information is uh, exactly what I tell people because when they're discovering what their source of pain is, they read about it, they listen to podcasts, they just they can't get enough, and then they come to me and say, "Well, why can't I heal?" And I say, "Because you can." The reading is about learning and understanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, gathering, mm-hmm. you know, the information, but the actual healing is done when you work with someone. So, um, it, you know, it's very similar in that way. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I really love this. I love this. This is so fascinating. Um, and you're, you're, you're you got the first hard hardback copy that came after the pandemic because oh they, my they gosh, so, I will so, cherish it. I will always. Yeah cherish it it is absolutely beautiful it's you know it's like the kind of book that you keep on your coffee table because it's so pretty and so nice and firm (laughs) it's hardback um anyway anyway thank you constance it has been so much fun and and um thank you for the incredible and fascinating information you're very welcome keep well and uh we'll we'll see how we get through all of these challenges okay 
Right on. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.